Welcome, guys, to the Cup of Nurses podcast with your hosts, Peter Fendero and myself, Matt Slarczyk. This is a podcast where we tackle current health news and hot nursing topics one conversation at a time. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for listening. If you find any value in this podcast, please give us a review, follow, and a share. You have no idea how much it means to us, and we really appreciate smashing those five stars because it ranks us in the search. More people discover us, and that motivates us to keep producing this high-quality content. How are we doing today, Pete? I'm doing amazing. Guys, remember, our Anthology Study Guide is out for all you nursing students, and we also have a travel nursing checklist for anybody that wants to take on travel nursing. We're having this great, amazing experience here in California. Love it. I wish you'd done this sooner. But let's hop into these news. So you know how we do, guys. Another couple of news episode, a few topics for you guys. Today we're going to talk about C19, some vaccines. We also looked at a few studies regarding saturated fats, and it seems like they're not as bad for us as everyone is saying. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about pancreatic cancer. A few people have died. Alex Trebek has died of pancreatic cancer, and we're trying to figure out, like, why these people dying? Like, why is it a little bit of a harsher cancer than all the other ones? So stats, first of all, guys, of course, cases are still going to be on the rise. Globally-wise, almost... 60 million with about 1.5 million deaths. In the United States, we have a little bit under 13 million cases with a little bit above quarter million deaths. Texas being number one, California, Florida, Illinois, and New York being number five. We're actually, are we, I always forget, we're not LA County, right? Over here, where we live? We are LA County. We are. So right now we're experiencing a curfew where after 10 p.m. you can't be outside because... You know, C-19 wakes up at 9.59 and goes attacks people (laughs) and affects people. It's so silly with this whole mandatory curfew that we have. I think it's, I don't want to call it childish, man, but I feel like I'm getting back into like, you know, being in grammar school. Mom's telling me I can't leave the house or something. You know, a virus is floating around in the sky at night or something. Yeah, I guess it's harder to see it at night, right? What they're saying. But yeah, so... All the restaurants are going to be closed. You can't have any kind of seating. Everything is going to be dine out. There's no dine in. So you can only have carry out food to go. So, I so even outdoor seating, they're closing. Everything's closing, yeah. Wow. Yeah, only, only um, carry out. But our gym is still open. Thank God. And you our know. gym can remain open because it's outside. So thank God to that. Yeah. We could, you know, still pump some iron. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this, I mean, the Santee thing is crazy. So like the two vaccines that are more, are more known out there, are going to be the Pfizer vaccine and then the Moderna vaccine. They are seeming to both be promising vaccines is what the numbers show. I know Dr. Fauci praised how quickly and how effective these vaccines were made and how effective they are made to be. Right? Peter, before we start the show, yeah. do you have any um, disclosure of any owning any stocks at either or companies? I do have some shares in Moderna. Okay. Okay. I would like to say I have some stocks in Moderna as well. Okay. Yeah, yeah, public disclosure. But for the sake for the sake of the podcast, we will give you guys the ultimate truth of just facts. We will not sway you to get one vaccine over the other from a company just for the sake of financial gains. But the Moderna one's looking pretty smooth, right? Yeah, it looking pretty good, man. I think I recommend with that one. It's kind of funny. I bought I bought the stock back in March. And like it has not made me any money till probably up in this point. Hmm. So I've well, fluctuated. You know? I, yeah, it's, it's I've been holding it for quite some time. I thought like, you know, like from the time this all happened in March, I thought like in June or something, we're going to be ready to go and everybody's going to be dandy. I'll be back from, you know, travel nursing. I can hang out with my friends again in Chicago. As you guys know, the case that didn't happen. So here we are talking about two, two potential vaccines that are going to be released at the, is it at the December, correct? They're pushing it for potentially um potentially yeah i mean they're still of course doing their doing their trials and trying to get distribution set up and legally having the paperwork done and the policies to like approve these so they're not 
like approved for a public yet. Right. And they still need FDA approval. Plus they have to go to the FDA, I was going to say, and like the whole regulatory body present mm-hmm. the evidence and they get the final approval. Yeah. Yeah. So regarding the, the Pfizer one, they're saying the efficacy is 94% and they've already given like 40,000 of those vaccines. So 94%, it's, it, it's, it's good. Um, it says the most of the, like the side effects they experienced was basically fatigue and headache. And kind of like muscle soreness, the things that you would ex- expect to kind of see with like an immune response, which makes sense because the Pfizer RNA, it's an RNA vaccine, right? So it has all the components of the, the vaccine. So our body's going to produce antibodies to it, but it won't affect us. It's not it's like a full live it's vaccine. Not, yeah, it's not live. It's, it's not active. It just has the RNA. So it just has the building blocks of the virus so it can be identified and destroyed, yeah. but doesn't have the actual... And infection potential as like a live vaccine or like a like a partially live one. And for those that are not like very sciencey based, RNA is basically like half of DNA if you want to think about it that way. Like you know, in layman's terms, just m- imagine breaking DNA like a piece of paper in half. Here is your, uh, what is it called, um, RNA, and that's all just genetic information, aka that protein that your body uses, the immune system uses to create this booklet of memories of antigens right to attack the virus if it were to come into if you were to breathe it in or touch it and lick it whichever however the virus enters who knows at, at night, this point sneaks up on you at night while you're yeah. sleeping yeah make sure you stay home because if it's 10 you know 1001 that virus is lurking around it's gonna be 90 more the virus is 90 percent more effective during the during sundown than sunrise you know it's wild they just take a little break here is just like this whole thing with like the governor of cali and he's saying you could have only like two families gathering. Like you can't like sing. Good. Singing is discouraged during Thanksgiving because of spread. Like, how are people being okay with this? Meaning, like, I understand the vaccine is like deadly and there's people dying, but dude, this shit's just like, I want to just like start speaking slang on this because it's just it's so silly that like we can't, you know, like this is like our fourth, fourth amendment right here, like the. What, what is, like, the government going to come in and tell you to, you know, break apart the family? Hey, right. you only could have the social gathering for two hours. I think it's time to leave. Like, I think these rules are just beyond silly. You know what's a little mind-blowing? Kind of, so two aspects. Like, we have these people in power, these elected officials, that are basically full-time politicians, right? So they don't really have a very giant background in, in like, engineering or, like, science or anatomy or biology they just are good at articulating themselves, good at convincing people. They're basically good at talking to people yep. and, and getting, getting shit done without knowing the full scope of what getting shit done is. You know, So they know how to convince people to increase taxes to build a new street because we want a new street, right? But he doesn't know how to build a new street. He just, his, the, the person's job, politician's job is just to kind of Generate revenue. Generate, well, generate revenue too and be able to come to an agreement, right? It's, he's like a, like the mediator, like the moderator. He's able, he has to have everybody agree so things get done, right? But doesn't necessarily know the full impact of those things. He's just there to basically just to get, get kind of shit approved and passed, right? Yeah. So what's mind-blowing is to see out of, so the trend that we've been seeing, um, us growing up is basically an increase in technology, increase in social media, increase in, in science, increase in biology. Yes. Increase in that, right? And it's mind-blowing to see how this C-19 came into the United States and how little these government officials know about health, right? We Yeah, we didn't tackle it properly. Right. And then, like, 
it really shows a big vulnerability point to our like government officials because they don't have a lot of medical knowledge, right? And when you get hit with a medical emergency, like they don't know what to do, right? And um, we're not, for me, you and I were majority of the time bipartisan, right? So we don't really swing one way or the other, left or right. We're more bipartisan. We could, we agree on certain things for each party depending on you know our morals, our ethicals, and our ethics and our ideas, right? So. Like the point I'm basically trying to make is that both sides are arguing that, hey, they're not paying attention to science. You know, the Republicans, Trump's not paying attention to science, not listening to his doctors. But then you have this on the other side where you have the governor of California and all these mayors saying that, hey, you can't sing, you can't stay close to your family members. Right. But science shows that that's not good, that that's not a big deal. Yeah. Like, you know, that doesn't matter. Like, how are you going to bash one side for not following science? And then you're not you're going to go your own way either. Right. Like, you know, and it's crazy how how little they know about just like science, right? Like we know so much, so much more. Like I'm not sure like how politics works, how they exactly get elected. Like how does one become in the runnings for governor? It's probably just like ads revenue and, and things like that. But and it's I crazy f- how they don't know like what the fuck's going on and how to run this situation. And I feel like also like, it's also like a cling for power in a way, meaning like, like governors don't get really like fame on TV, you would say, you know, for the most part. What's and their job? What's what? What's they gonna do? What are they gonna exactly. go be a, become a plumber? No, they, but, the, but this feels good though. Like now, all eyes on me. I'm the governor of California, and I am leading the way that other mm-hmm. other governors should and how to handle this situation. You right. know, because no one knows. So he's taking lead. Who knows if this lead is blind or not? Yeah. But people are clearly like the Patriots are a little, you know, being a little bit upset that this is happening because this is beyond the this everything that's happening now is beyond what anybody imagined. C-19 thought it would be back in February or March. Like our complete way of life has changed and we call this now the new norm. Yeah, we thought this was going to be over, like you said, like in June, like a few months. Those that li- listened to yeah. us back in the day, like, yeah, we didn't even know ourselves what's going to happen. Yeah, and we, I mean, we called it early. We were one of those people that, oh, it's going to, you know, pass, you know, look at Ebola, like it was popping and then it died down. But yeah, this is being extended fairly long, but... It's cool because we were we were hanging out yesterday and we were talking about like is there still the Black Lives Matter protests going on? That, like, you know, like, I haven't I heard like much. That quiet down. A yeah, bit. I heard a lot of that quiet down. All of this like protests. What happened to um, Elaine Maxwell and all of that? Like, where's that in the news? Like, it's like it's not. It's still like media hype about you know Joe Biden you know winning the the, the race and his transition team and then still like anti-Trump pro Biden still going on. But you don't really hear any, anything else on what's going on else in the world or everything's been silenced, right? Like all this, like what happened to all this, like anti-police stuff, none's really, really going on. Like yeah. somehow everything's already better, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. And that's, that, and that's what we always talk about is, is the news and it gives you like this little fine line of information, whatever they want you to know at that given time and to think a specific way. And then, Hey, it just gets keep The pot is always getting stirred. Yeah. Like, how much rabbit holes to go down? Like we'll see. Yeah. And that's why we're going to talk about this like on the side podcast or we're going to do it that loud because mm-hmm. there's just so many information out there that we want, we want to debunk and talk about and share perspectives that a lot of people should know because we, we got our fair share of information when we were younger. We had time to look this up and now it's fascinating seeing all these changes happening and how it's affecting people. Yeah. So when it comes to the second vaccine, this is the Moderna and they announced 94%. 94.5% effective rate in preventing the disease according to their analysis and clinical trials. So it's kind of interesting how as soon as the election ended, all of a sudden both companies are releasing a statement. And I think that's what Trump was saying also that like this is BS that like all of a sudden these 
um, clinical trials are approved, but during his presidency, there was no uh, progress being done as much. Food for thought, I don't know if that's true. But anyways, um, they basically had a large clinical study with over 30,000 people. Half of those people got two doses of the vaccine within the 28 days apart. So I think they get a vaccine and 28 later they get another vaccine, correct? Mm. So they complete two shots. And of course, one placebo, one not. Of those people, of this um, trial, 95%, 90, 95 patients got COVID-19, correct? Five of those patients were in the vaccinated group. 90% were in the placebo group. No, so 90 of them. So there was, out of all those patients, those 40,000, 95 got COVID, right? Okay. Got C-19. So 30,000, 95 of them got COVID. Okay. Yeah. 90 of those, 95, were non-vaccinated and five of the 95 were vaccinated. Correct. And, and we have from these results that 11 cases showed severe disease. Mm -hmm. And this is, so the results are kind of indicating that if you took the vaccine, there is a immune response that protects the person from being exposed to C19. Yeah, so they're both mRNA. They're essentially the, the same vaccine, almost the same vaccine. They're both with mRNA. I'm not a, an expert on, vac on vaccines or how RNA vaccines work, but there's obviously some kind of difference between them, right? Of course, yeah. So, but they both have patents they, on it. Exactly, yeah. But they both are such RNA. The main difference between these two, the Pfizer one and the Moderna one, is that the Pfizer one need storage units. So what they're planning on doing is distributing the vaccines and like temporary storage units with dry ice with GPS locators on them. Which is pretty interesting. Yeah. So they're going to track the location of the vaccine mm -hmm. and also they're going to have thermal sensors to make sure that the temperature is, I think, um, therapeutic, which is negative 70 Celsius to 10 Celsius. So it's basically has to be frozen. No, plus or minus 10. So they have to cool this these between negative eighty and uh, negative sixty. Sixty. That's like their leeway. Otherwise, it's it's not um not gonna be. It's gonna basically not be bioavailable. And a Moderna one, you could just store in your fridge. They said it's a lot easier to store. So you know, Moderna might be pushing a little bit of, of a better vaccine for um, long term storage. Yeah. You know. No pun intended here with the stock investment that we mm -hmm. have, right? Yeah. So, but I mean, both companies seem like they're you know. They, they know Trying. what they're doing. And uh, when it comes to globally, just for some stats for people that are interested, I think um, Pfizer by 2020 is going to have up to 50 million vaccine doses globally and up to 1.3 billion by the end of 2021. Is that crazy? Question is, is are we all going to take this vaccine so there's enough, you know, are we going to actually tap into the supply? Or is everybody going to want a vaccine? And that's another thing that I read yesterday as well is there is a airline that's going to require vaccinations for international travel really so what if what if in the next couple months we're going to go tap into something where vaccines are going to be required for international travel yeah like a vaccine card like hey i have a vaccinated card well yeah, they're, that'd be, that'd be they're, some shit. they're doing it for 2021 right you can't fly anymore without the um, with like the license thing well that's like another security measure that, yeah. that's not that big of a deal like i don't really care too much about that but like if if I want you to like, get like a stamp on my driver's license saying that, hey, I got vaccinated, like what the, what the fuck? Like none of your business if I got vaccinated or not, you know? Yeah, but this is, some, this is something that's going to be accepted more and more. Yeah, and we'll that's, see. That's the problem that don't people realize that like, hey, like have, haven't we noticed a trend here that once we give up some of our liberties and freedoms, there tends to be a, a trend here. We don't tend to get those freedoms back. Yeah, we should definitely dive on... And that loud, we should go into, over the years, all the ways that we've slowly lost our freedom. 
That'd be a very and good see what episode. events happen to it because you don't just like me and Matt went down a few rabbit holes. You know, I, I want to say probably more than a few. Like a whole teenage years were fucking rabbit holes, dude. Yeah, we know? know we we know our shit with like what's happening, yeah. and sometimes we look at these like events that are happening in the world and we're just like we can connect the dots to like mm. where this is stemming from or what's the agenda in a way right. you know like the whole israel thing and the whole middle east like that's just fascinating of you know of what, what went down like we have like these ideas of what's actually going on and then like years later just like damn didn't we read this online somewhere like didn't we look this up and find out this is what the what was actually going on and, and actually became true like it's it crazy to think about like of course it doesn't happen all the time but it just like offers a different perspective but back to these vaccines before we start, you know, going down, down too low on these rabbit holes. Um, I was damn. I was gonna say something about the Moderna one because it's supposed to be a lot better than not a lot better, but it's supposed to be more beneficial than than the um, the Pfizer one. Oh yeah, the side effects. So the side effects aren't anything like super severe that they're saying. It's just gonna be associated with the normal immune response. So a lot of people were saying that they. Well, I haven't talked to them, but I read a few things on like Healthline and like on Google News and Apple News. They were saying that, yeah, yeah, these side effects do occur, like nausea, vomiting, like muscle aches, muscle pains. Like you feel like a, like a cold, basically. And people say it's, it's pretty bad. Like um, the main I- issue that, that they might see with the Moderna vaccine is that the side effects might be intense enough for people to not come in and take the second vaccine. Damn. I'm not sure. Have you ever got a flu shot, and or you feel like shit after a flu shot? Oh yeah. That happened to you. That happened, that Sore to arm even. Yeah, that happens to me all the time. Where, where um, I get the flu shot, and then the next day it feels like I got the flu, like muscle aches, like I'm sore, like I can't lift, um, runny nose, like I got a sore throat. Those are just your immune response fighting off this the basically the the fake virus that they put in your system, right? So that's normal. Some people say that these these are severe enough that they might hinder people to get the, it might hinder people from getting the second one. So the only negative thing about Moderna here is that you need two doses. Mm, I think you might vaccine. need two doses for both of them. And then the Pfizer one is also two doses. But I got to double check that check that one. But I thought I, I thought it was both of them need two doses. But if not, no, that's uh, people are probably more inclined to take one over two, unless somehow the one that needs two two shots is going to be a lot more beneficial than the other one. Yeah, and this is only two vaccines that we've looked up. Like yeah. there's a whole global push global push for a vaccine like the whole sputnik 5 which is a russian one i know india has one in the works so we'll see which but the russian one effective. for russian one they don't they don't want to give out any of stats of course they never same do. with the chinese one no no stats at least this is when you get stats what if they are giving all stats we just can't see the stats that, that's yeah. another thing that and that's why knows. we don't see western propaganda you know like we might be getting a whole different view because here in this country we should recommend just this vaccine mm-hmm. Over there, vice versa. We don't know what Moderna is doing in the other, you know what I mean? It's yeah. Just, yeah, just, that's just how the world runs. And it might be a little bit scarier once this whole um, clean program network comes out, which which we probably should check the updates on with yeah. what's happening. So we'll, we'll check out for you guys. We'll, we'll dive in. The next conversation is about saturated fats. And we all think that they're bad. Whenever we go to the hospital, when we have a patient that had an MI heart attack, what is the doctor pushing? They're pushing a stand. We need to have them on a stand. We need to lower their cholesterol because that's going to prevent their incidence of type 2 diabetes, stroke, and cardiovascular health. But according to this, according to three studies that we found, that is a myth. And you can continue eating your fat, saturated fats. Of course, guys, take everything with a grain of salt that we say. Go D-Y-O-R, do your own research. 
And based on this, everything seems fine though. And me and Peter both consume a good amount of saturated fats because they are solid at room temperatures. So they are the fats in meat, butter, lard, cheese, cream cheese, all, all that good stuff that we like. Those are saturated fats. Dude, dude, I love my saturated fats, man. It's like I could live on like, dude, like red meat, like a nice, like a nice steak that has like marble fat in it. Oh, that's fire, dude. Always oh, tastes so good. But yeah, we looked at a few of these studies and it seems to be that this push for eating less saturated fat might not have as much validity as people once thought. People, you know, have said, like said for, for years and years and even now that if you decrease the amount of saturated fat you're going to eat, you're going to live longer, you're going to live healthier, you're not going to have a stroke, you're going to have diabetes, but that's seeming to be not as um, relevant anymore. So one of the studies that I looked at, so this study included 15 randomized control trials with over 59,000 participants. So each of these studies had a control group, reduced saturated fat, or replaced it with other types of fat, lasted for about 24 months, and looked at heart endpoints like heart attacks or, or deaths. So basically the goal of this study was to assess the effect of reducing saturated fat intake and replacing it with carbs, polyunsaturated fats, or monounsaturated fats, and or protein, and see how it affects mortality, cardiovascular morbidity. So the results are pretty pretty substantial, pretty um, pretty big, and pretty eye-opening. So the study found no statistical significant effects of reducing saturated fat in regard to heart attacks, strokes, or all-cause deaths. But it did show that reducing saturated fat had no effect on you know cardiovascular health or anything like that, but replacing it with polyunsaturated fat led to a 27% lower risk of cardiovascular events. So basically, if you're eating saturated fat, it's basically showing that it doesn't really matter how much of it you eat, it's still going to affect you the same way, and it's showing that it's not going to affect you that drastically. You know, so if you're eating saturated fat, you could you could keep eating it without any any severe long term effects, but if you're able to replace that unsaturated or if you're able to replace saturated fat with some polyunsaturated fat, that might lower your chances of cardiovascular events by 27%. Things like olive oil. Yeah. It's not indicative, is, but it says it, like it might. Yeah. You know? And this this is good because like for the longest, we assumed that eating red meats is bad. For some reason, it just floats around in your arteries and it creates plaque. That plaque turns into a heart attack. Like that was like, it's still our thinking right now. Yeah. Like we still haven't transitioned from that. And like, it'd be good to trace down the events of how this these studies came to be just like the whole germ theory and things like that so you basically have a couple scientists created a couple studies they presented to the uh, fda whoever and we just changed guidelines completely and then a pharmaceutical pill came out the statins they created their own studies and then we just created this truth in a healthcare system that everybody needs to have lower saturated fat everybody needs to be on this pill to prevent plaque i was always told Solid at room temperature, solid in your arteries, you know, but no, it's not, it's not it. And I love saturated fat, which is just, this is just, I'm smiling. Yeah. And cool. We're scratching the surface because like, you know, let's just say this is the truth. This is what the studies show. Like it's going to take, it takes time to reverse the problems or the old um, thoughts on literature. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it, things will not just get converted. Like one example is like for the longest, every single time. You laid a patient completely flat when you're turning them and they had two feeds. You got to turn off the two feeds. Why? They might aspirate. Mm. And I think literature came out now that like there's no like literature that really is saying that, hey, your patient's going to aspirate yeah. when they lay flat to turn them. I still turn mine off though. It's like a habit. It's a habit. You know? Exactly. So 
this is what I'm trying to get at. It takes time to reverse mm. the, 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 this bad literature that comes out. Because yeah. I still do it. Why? Well, because I was taught to do so. Yeah, but it's not a big deal if you do it. Like if you do it, you do it. You just don't have to. It's it's like know? it's like it's safety for us. Mm. But imagine for things like that, how do you re-educate a society and tell them, hey, I think it's okay to be eating red meat. Mm. Don't be going for all this like I don't know beyond meat and all this like vegan push that's being you know yeah. that's uh, being talked about. And there's so many doctors that say, hey, being vegan long term is probably unhealthy for you because of the lack of vitamins b12 and like um the risk of like osteoporosis yeah when i woke up again i saw on my on my feed that there's research out there showing that people that are vegan have a higher incidence of broken bones than people that eat a holistic uh, diet that's you know eating everything under the sun basically but you know i always thought about like a few years ago and i guess i'm thinking about it now is you know how they say people like cardiovascular disease is on the rise right but it seems like people are eating less and less red meat, right? Because everyone's pushing for di- different diet trends, you know, chicken and rice only or paleo. And people don't people don't eat as much red meat as as I feel like they did it back then, you know. And, I agree and, with you. And you're literally eating like an animal. So you got to remember, like back in the day, like thousands of years ago, people ate the whole animal, right? They, they used the bones for certain tools. They ate all the meat on it. They ate all the fat. And that's how like they survived the organs yeah. so our, our body and they didn't die from like heart attacks and things like that i don't think the red meat is necessarily the issue or the saturated fats it's not always the diet that's the issue it's also like your activity status yeah right? I, was, I was gonna say that too because that plays a, that plays a, probably a bigger role than not i want to say bigger role just as just as even role as diet you have to eat healthy and you have to do healthy things outside of eating like you have to work out you have to stay physical you have to stretch you have to do all these things because it's all goes into like this one circle of life if you think about it right because it all works together if you're slack on, on your diet it's gonna sh- it's gonna show right just because you're working out but your diet shitty your your gains progress is, is gonna be slow right compared to if you had a good diet and, and a good workout program right yeah, j- just like this posture mm. that we're entering that everybody's on their phone everybody's kind of hunched over so now we have like this society of bad posture and all yeah. of our necks are kind of forward because <laughs> We're used to just looking down on our screens, right? It's bad for us, but but like, the thing is, what's cool is that as our health gets kind of, I want to say, I guess I'll say, our health gets kind of worse. There's always like an industry there to kind of support it, right? Like we're looking down more, so our necks are being misshaped, right? Well, thank God for chiropractors, right? You could go get that fixed. You know, you have a chiropractor that tells you. So it does kind of suck that some people suffer and they don't go to a chiropractor, and it could be could be fixed but then without the, our phones chiropractors would be less you know available so it's probably pretty cool how like it, humans it's, work it's and how eco, the world it's works it's an ecosystem right mm-hmm. so right. there's always a supply and demand and everything yeah cool right yeah and i also wanted to add on to the whole caveman thing like our bodies take time to change with evolution correct so just because we went from cell phones to you know, VR, you know, now we don't like do X, Y, and Z. Technology has ad- adapted and changed our life quite a bit. Like we're, we could be home and you'll get shit delivered to you, including food mm-hmm. and supplies, and you don't have to do anything. And we adapt quickly to like technology has progressed huge amounts, but as humans, we're adapting to it very quickly, dude. Yeah. Like imagine your first computer, how efficient you were on your first computer compared to how efficient you are on, your, on our phones and MacBooks drastic change but look how quickly we adapted to it yeah but what what 
what hasn't adapted is our bodies. Like our bodies are still mm. this evolutionary caveman beings that probably require fasting, probably require this red meat that we just talked about that was taken away from a diet because we were told otherwise. And yet we have these, you know, diseases that are still rising in our society. So what's the issue? Is it being stagnant? Is it exercising too little? Is it the higher consumption of sugar? Damn, dude, it's, it's probably like a collateral. Yeah. And I don't think red meat is the... The, the the what's called villain lifesaver yeah like if you cut off red meat and saturated fats like you're not going to be very healthy like you know unless you could get it from an outside source which then but the thing is like it's i was always told that getting your vitamins from a living source is better than a pill format right like yeah. it's better to get your vitamins if i get all my vitamins for vegetables that's the, the way you should you should do it right compared to a depend compared to a depending on um like multivitamins Things like that, right? So you're getting missing a lot of protein if you stop eating red meat. You're gonna missing a lot of hormones because you know that fat that you see on this on this beef has the building blocks needed for hormones, all the amino acids, everything. And people a lot of have hormone disruptions and things like that because they don't eat enough enough fat. Because back then when our parents were young, it was anti-fat, right? Everything has to be fat-free. Now it's pushing towards hopefully anti-sugar, but there's a lot of different deficiencies for, for people, right? Yeah, that, that actually would be really good to talk about on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Like the way we transition from, oh my God, fats are bad to making all of our food fat-free, replacing with sugar, and now this created another pandemic of obesity and diabetes mm-hmm. because we thought that fat is freaking horrible. Yeah. It's the same in- industry. Let's first scare them, fat is bad, and then let's adapt to, hey, now let's put sugar in it. And those that don't know, like when the tobacco industry was big, and still that, huge. it's still huge, but when it started to go dying down, those tobacco giants just invested into food businesses like mm-hmm. craft and everything else. So technically it's the same damn corrupt people just in a different industry pushing the same old message. This yeah. is good for you. This may do that. And it takes us like, you know, X amount of decades to reverse all this and start seeing that it's a problem. Right. Just like, yeah. You know, they started doing, doing vapes, you know, where, hey, we can't smoke cigarettes, you know, now we're going to go into vape industry and you could legally smoke vapes there's no, there's no there's no really big research done on vapes so let's take that over that industry you know but you know what's, wi- what's, what's wild is as soon as that st- st- uh, statement came out that the vapes are bad uh, Melbourne, one of the biggest um, tobacco companies because they own shelves right they have the right to be on shelves in specific areas that's how it goes they allowed that vape company to have a specific spot on their on their mm. stores like in gas stations and 7-eleven because they know that they hey they're entering the whole tobacco's bad it causes cancer because they need to be labeled mm-hmm. crazy sure. crazy business um study number two here just to go over it quickly same thing they took 73 studies from 90,000 to 339,000 participants and they they try to evaluate the same thing what's the association between intake of saturated fat trans fat unsaturated and does it cause the mortalities that we always talk about stroke, ischemics, diabetes, cardiovascular disease. Results show the same thing that saturated fats were not associated with any of the mortalities, which is CVAs, CHDs, ischemic strokes, and type 2 diabetes. So people that consume saturated fats weren't more likely to experience heart disease. Yeah, but with that one, it's interesting because it actually showed that trans fats, eating a lot of trans fats or more trans fats are associated with with mortality yes and like cardiovascular disease with cad things like that so yeah trans fats are 
I was always taught that the worst kind of fat is trans, then you go saturated, then you go unsaturated, right? From the least healthiest to the healthiest. And trans fats are all the fats that you see like in junk food, chips, um, like baked goods. Those have a lot of trans fats because they're easier to make and easier to, to, to work with. And those are the ones that you try. You should try to consume the least. And, the, and those are the ones that they say that they raise LDL, which is a bad cholesterol. And they're, they're the ones that are known to build up plaque in your arteries. The process of that, I'm not too sure. I'm pretty sure it's the bonds of the, the fat that get broken down, mm -hmm. right? So like saturated fats, they have like these single bonds. Polysaturated have a couple double bonds of like carbon or whatever, mm -hmm. and it makes them healthier for the body. I'm not going to, I'm really not going to get started about talking about this. I have no idea how that works on a micro level. Yeah. Uh, I used to know, I could probably, I think I wrote an article regarding fats back in the day. I could probably find it for like one of the future episodes. But study number three, uh, very similar as all the other ones, is it was a systematic review. It assessed the effects of the amount and type of dietary fat on the body. So it's actually looked at, doesn't matter how much of it that you eat um, before you get these, these effects. So basically it showed that, it's like the other ones, consuming saturated fat wasn't linked to an increased risk of heart disease or an increased risk of type 2 diabetes. But however, similar to the first study, Research also found that partially replacing saturated fat with polyunsaturated fat or monounsaturated fat may lower LDL cholesterol. So it's saying that you could consume, basically, if I consume more saturated fat than that, it shouldn't have that big of an effect, impact on my, my body. And only thing that it really showed is that by changing from these saturated fats to a little bit of the unsaturated, it's going to lower my LDL. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to decrease your probability or prevalence of, of stroke or heart attack you know damn debunked yeah so you know but also another interesting thing is that the study also showed that changing saturated fat for refined carbs or or sorry it showed that if you change out the saturated fat for carbs that is going to increase your chances of cardiovascular disease yeah, specifically a refined carb so if you're replacing meat with sugar which could be in crackers and all this thing that we think is whole grain, technically cereal. Like if you're replacing that, you are at risk of developing yeah. these things. So, so I think the biggest, I think the bigger culprit here we have to watch out for is sugar. Mm. And it lingers in so many things. Your body doesn't care, you know, like what you're consuming, converts it into sugar. And I think that's where we're starting to like get into hiccups. Yeah. Because I feel like when you, go, again, go back to these caveman days, people didn't consume a lot of sugar. Right, the, some people didn't even know what, what sugar was because sugar wasn't attainable everywhere. But what was attainable everywhere? Some kind of a meat source, right? For the majority part, so we're more programmed to eat meat, to eat saturated fats than we are to consume large amounts of sugar. And would you say you feel better in your diet when you do so as well? Oh yeah, for sure. That's even. But the thing is, with my diet is is um just carbs in general. I feel better when I eat less carbs. Like I don't feel as as bloated. Um, and I don't know. It's like IBS. I don't think it's IBS, but. Carbs, carbs blow me. It doesn't matter what kind of carb it is. Don't be self-diagnosing yourself. Except maybe fruits. Yeah. yeah. But if I like um, like carbs that are besides fruits, like protein bars, because they obviously have like 20, 30 grams of grams of carbs, like they're good. But a lot of tortillas, a lot of breads. Maybe I might be a little bit gluten, gluten sensitive, maybe. That might be the issue, possibly. Could no, be. but even when I have like gluten-free pasta, things like that, just, just they, they still like uh, blow me up a little bit. But not fruits, though. The carbs from fruits are pretty fine. They fill me up pretty well. Yeah, it's more of the refined, the bread, mm, yeah. the starchy stuff. That's what kind of slows us down. Yeah. So a third topic, guys, they want to just touch upon is pancreatic cancer. 
So about 95% of pancreatic cancers begins in the cells that make the enzyme for digestion. And not having enough of those enzymes for normal digestion is very common in pancreatic cancer. That's also another issue that they suffer from. Not only the cancer spreading and developing tumors and impeding blood flow, things like that, but they also lack these enzymes for proper digestion. And pancreatic cancer is responsible for taking the life of many recent famous people, Alex Trebek, RBG, and John Lewis. And it's crazy because the five-year survival rate for distal pancreatic cancer is about 3%. So if you get pancreatic cancer, the likelihood of you dying is 97% for the next five years. So yeah. you, you, unfortunately, like you're, you're at a hard stop, basically. Yeah. And the, prob- the, the reason why it's 3% is because usually pancreatic cancer is diagnosed so late on. Like it's, it's a visceral organ. So anything that's visceral, which is very within our body, it takes time to be, be caught. If, if you look at pancreatic cancer localized, meaning it's just in the pancreas itself, the five-year survival rate is 37%. We could still do something about that, remove a part of your cancer or a pancreas and it could grow back. But just like PD mentioned, once that spreads outside of the pancreas itself, and usually cancer is very quick at doing that, we don't have much of a survival rate. And once it's once it metastasizes, enters your, your, your bloodstream, that's basically a highway to anywhere anywhere in the body. And like Matt said, like why it's so hard to to treat and to screen for is because a lot of times we find it when it's already metastasized. Yeah, so it's, it's already in more than one locations. So then when, when we find cancer, and uh, we first we gotta figure out where the cancer is stemming from. Because not every cancer is going to let's say you have pancreatic cancer, there's certain st- stages that the cancer is gonna reach where these state cancer cells are gonna be unrecognizable which means you're not going to have pancreatic cells in your lung. You're going to have random, unidentifiable cells in your lungs, right? Because if you have pancreatic cancer cells in your lung and you have pancreatic cancer cells in your lymph nodes, pancreatic cancer cells in your in your liver, we know that you have pancreatic cancer, right? Even yeah. though all these different regions are affected, once you've figured out what kind of cancer cell this is, that's where it's from, right? Because when you first look at a, look at like a lung that's infected with cancer you know it's infected with cancer by the way the cell looks but then you have to identify what that cell is to yeah, figure what, out where it's yeah. done from to find out what kind of treatment to use as well exactly. because there's different um just like you know with breast cancer are you is it the her2 gene status that we're kind of you know dealing with is it the receptor most cancers like for example breast ca they're hormonal mm-hmm. and we can use specific treatment for that but if you know we have to identify the cells and like the big thing with treatment of pancreatic cancer it's all about time right how how late was this disease diagnosed and most cases we catch it very late on mm-hmm. um a lot of like what liver cirrhosis patients it's like a what's it called not a byproduct but they usually develop it as well because of their habits and uh drinking i'm not too sure if diets have anything to do with it like pancreatic cancer is not very well researched too for us to have like yeah it's not hugely common not the most prevalent cancer there is cancers that are more prevalent that's also why it's kind of on a back burner that's why we don't have a lot of screening tools for a lot of treatment options treatment modalities because it's not the you could say popular cancers right and usually when we hear pancreatic cancer in the hospital we're just like we already know that that the likelihood of them surviving is, is is low yeah and they usually come in for like the lack of appetite and then weight loss they might have like dark urine um, sometimes their skin is yellow or like their sclera their their the white lining in their eye that ter- that turns yellow so then we could either rule that out that it's you know pancreatic or whether it's um, just liver cirrhosis yeah. usually what ct scan put them in through the tube we're able to find out what's 
what's happening. Yeah, there's like different procedures that are like high risk. They could do something called like endoscopic ultrasound or, or MRI, where they literally do like endoscopic procedure using ultrasound or MRI. But that's only if like for like high risk cases, which isn't really even done uh, very often or very prevalent. Because like we said, it's it's hard to screen early and hard to catch early. So like if you catch in the end stages, a lot of this treatment's gonna be more focused on end of life care because we know that there really isn't a lot that we can do for you. And usually with these patients, like late stages, I think what also gets them is sepsis, right? Mm-hmm. Usually, usually, I'm not too, I'm not too sure about the disease process to talk about it, but a lot of these patients I see, yeah, they go into like multi-organ failure, they're on pressors, and yeah. we just have to kind of like, the the cancer itself doesn't take them away, but it's just the um, repercussions of what happens to the body during late stage because the pancreas is very important for metabolizing um, sugars and fats like that, right? Yeah, so it's crazy because like during pericardial cancer, we're not only treating the cancer, but we also have to back you up with these enzymes that your pancreas isn't producing as much anymore. So it's just like, it's hard to get your full nutrition. It's hard to break down all these these um, these different kind of foods that, that you're eating because you're missing these enzymes for digestion. So not only you're not getting enough nutrition, well, guess what? Now the cancer is taking that nutrition and we can't even treat that cancer because it's already spread so far and so hard to treat. So it's like 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 you're screwed on a nutrition level and the healthy eating level, and you're also screwed on this level that you have disease that we actually have to give you, you know, chemotherapy for. Yeah, and and usually with pancreatic cancer, you develop um, high sugar in a way because your body's not able to, to digest um, sugar properly, correct? Yeah. And develops insulin resistance. So that's another thing that we're dealing with is high sugar levels and these patients that have you know uh, poor pancreases they develop like you know kidney d- uh, problems because the sugar high sugar literally destroys in their fronts yeah everything destroys everything that's why people have like venous ulcers people have you know uh, artery disease because of high sugar because it's that damaging it's crazy and i think here you mentioned that there was a drug that was publicly available but only extended survival rates by 11 days and that was considered a substantial kind of um, substantial drug isn't that wow. crazy that's how that's how ineffective or inefficient we are at treating pancreatic cancer where if the, there's a drug that extends life by 11 days like we're proud of it that's kind of embarrassing dude like, i don't want to be a dick or anything but i'm sure it's super hard to fucking treat like i probably can't do it they're probably doing a better job i probably can't even even make it that's gonna better one's life by one day you know but but to give you perspective on hard, how hard this is to like deal with and to work with. Yeah, I think it's crazy because if you look at the perspective of our medical society as a whole in the hospitals, we're very good at treating things like as a mechanic shop. Like we could fix that, stitch that up, remove that, you're good to go. But when it comes to how diseases start and how to prevent them through lifestyle, whatever, and live longer, this is where we lack in, mm-hmm. in what's it called, inner medicine, which makes sense because... There's more money to be made in, you know, treating our body like a repair shop than preventing the disease before it actually starts and like making it to the hospital. Yeah, yeah, it's hard because just like with a car, people don't do their maintenance, but they come to the mechanic shop once it starts fucking making yeah. noise or something. One, once falls your, off. Well, yeah, once the oil change hasn't been changed and it's mm-hmm. affecting, I don't know, the freaking headers or something. I'm not a car guy. Yeah. Probably ask Bart about, Bart about that. <laughs> yeah, because we have him on that loud. Alrighty, guys, we're going to wrap this one up. We talked about... Pfizer versus the Moderna vaccine, its effectiveness, the studies behind them, whether we're going to take a vaccine or not, it's up to you. I don't think I am. I think I'm pretty healthy and I'll make it, I'll make it through COVID with that one. 
We talked about saturated fats. It's not as bad as one's thought. So use your food for thought there, whether you want to consume more saturated fats. Based on these studies, it seems like it's not bad when it comes to develop or putting yourself at risk for cardiovascular disease and pancreatic cancer, why it's so deadly and why we need to work on creating treatments to extend the life of these patients and early recognition of um, this cancer. Beautiful. Thank you, guys. Stay tuned for more. We're always popping on here. See you that guys. That lot coming soon. That lot coming soon. Mm -hmm. See you guys next week.